I was uh, reading and um, I read some funny things, and so I want to share with you, since we're continuing and concluding the Valentine's message we began last week, I hope you enjoyed your relationships uh, this past week. It is uh, a world appointed, but it's really God appointed that we love one another, amen? And uh, there, there was this uh, woman, and she passed away, and she went up to the pearly gates, and there was Peter standing there. And she said, am I in heaven? And Peter goes, no, not yet. You have to spell a word. She goes, spell a word? Well, what word? And Peter goes, well, any word you want to spell, go ahead and spell it. She goes, well, love. L-O-V-E. And Peter says, perfect, you are welcome into heaven. By the way, this isn't doctrinal. Perfect, you are welcome into heaven. And then just as she started to walk in the pearly gates, Peter said, oh, wait a minute, can you hold on a second? I need to go take care of something. Can you just watch the gate? And if anybody comes, then you just follow the the." the process that I took with you. She goes, well, I guess I can do that. And so she's standing there for a few minutes, and all of a sudden, in the distance, she sees this man walking, and she recognized that it was her ex-husband. And so he walks up to her, and he says, believe it or not, I'm in heaven. She goes, no, not yet. You got to spell a word. And he said, well, what word do I need to spell? She hesitated for a moment. She looked at him with a smile. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. (laughs) Oh, boy. I thought that was pretty funny. I want to today show you an important place of blessing a place where God designed for you to be blessed, a place where you have favor, where you have opportunity, where you have provision waiting for you in everything that you do. Your destiny is connected to place that God gives you. And relationships are one of those places that God brings to you and places you in. It can be marriage, family, friends, co-workers, authorities. But I want to say to you, and in this as believers, I'm speaking to the church, you can have faith, you can even have the right attitude. But if you're not in the right place, and the right place is where God brings you, See, the right place in, in today's day, uh, people look at is that you feel good about it. I feel good about it. This is really a good place for me. It is God's choice where he places you. But if you're not in the right place where God leads you, you will struggle. Matter of fact, there's a story in the Bible where Jesus told 500 people in Acts chapter 2 to go to an upper room and to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. But only 120 people went. 300 
I did well in math in school, not English, but 380 people missed the blessing because they weren't in the right place. See, the listening to that still small voice, it's not your idea. It is God's leading you into the place of blessing that he has planned for you. Every one of us, again, are led into relationships, and these relationships are by God. From relationships, every relationship, God brings favor, opportunity. And so let's continue in the series of Valentine's Message And let's just kind of go back to last week and find out some of the principles. Notice I didn't say what we said, the principles of the kingdom of God last week. That the first attack of the enemy on mankind was against relationships. And why we know that is because we read that in Scripture in Genesis. But also why we know that is that Relationship between men and women, between people, God's creation, are important to God in the kingdom of God. And it's important that we hear the still small voice. It's important that we understand that when God places us, not us, when God places us in relationships, here's a relationship right here, the body of Christ. God places us here. You are listening online and watching online. God placed you there. And there is a blessing in that as you are led of the Holy Spirit. So we found out last week why the attack is. It is the image of God marrying his bride, the church, relationships. You are his daily delight. So we found out that marriage is his daily delight, and relationships that we have with him is God's daily delight, and it should be ours with him and with one another because that is the image of Christ. That is how the Godhead functions is that they literally love one another and they are in total agreement. God also designed the church to be an overflow of your marriage. Not coming to church to fix your home, even though that happens, because we learn the Word of God and we develop a relationship with God, which brings change, which then when we change personally, then things in our home changes. But the strength of the church is our home and our relationships. So God designed the church to be an overflow of your marriage and your home. So my goal again is to raise up our standard of marriage and to raise up a standard on all relationships. That when we do it God's way, when we move into that place of blessing, we will experience immense prosperity in every area of our life. Now, we are going to expose Satan's lie and to understand the four things that will divorce-proof your marriage and or 
bring a blessing into every relationship that you have in your life. The church is the overflow of that principle. Who we are in church, how we treat one another, how we walk with one another, how we support one another, how we, and and we're going to move into that of a generous life uh, next week. But we need to understand the giving that we have and how we're the blessing of one another and how we treat one another, how we honor one another. How we live a lifestyle that is based upon the Godhead, not what people have done to us. People live out throughout history a victim mentality. And they don't realize that God placed us at times in these places that difficulties arise. We found out last week that that is a test in our life if we're going to trust God in the midst of these situations. So last week, we began with the premise of the lie, when will it all end? Because we want it to stop. In relationships, we just want this, this hurt, this, this stuff that goes on every single day and week and month and year and decade and lifestyle. It's the stuff that goes on, the history of divorce, the history of all kinds of things that go on in our life and the difficulty we have and the emotional uh, health that begins to fall. And because we don't understand the blessing that God has set us apart to be in, in all relationships, and he uses the relationship between Christ and the church and the husband and wife as that example because they're one of the same, according to Ephesians 5. So Satan's deception is getting you to believe your struggles in relationships will never end. The first key to intimacy and love, as we found, is to keep the marriage covenant sacred. And that's what we taught on last week. Let me remind you just a little bit about that, and then we're going to dive in to what we're going to share with you today. The difference we talked about last week is between a covenant marriage and a contract marriage. Remember this? A covenant marriage, both spouses rescind all their rights and accept all the responsibility for their marriage. A contract marriage, both spouses keep as many rights as possible and accept, if very few, responsibility for the marriage. We must not have contract Christianity. The second thing, or key to divorce-proof your marriage and to produce relationships that are very healthy is You have to die to your selfish desire so you can serve your spouse or to serve. Let me say that again. You have to die to your selfish desire so you can serve your spouse and or in your relationships. There's no way around it. This is how it works. I wish I can say that you can fulfill all your fleshly desires and still be happily married. You can't. However, individuality in your marriage is not the key. 
When we get married, when we develop relationships, we have church relationships, that the key is that we're not individuals anymore. It's not about me anymore. In Ephesians chapter 5, I'm going to read you uh, three scriptures to give you the, the, the focus of what is said here, but I, I encourage you again to, to read the total chapter of Ephesians chapter 5 later on. Verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Verse 28, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So most of the burden you will see in Scripture is on the men. And I say that gladly because it is an opportunity and a blessing that I have in my marriage to be the one that leads love, that leads in love. It's, it, it is a pleasure, it is a blessing where God brings blessings in my life and prospers me and my wife and my home because I bring that as an authority to bring that in my home loving my spouse. And that same principle works in regular relationships, in, in friendships. It works because it is a kingdom principle. It is not just something you do because you finally got married or you finally found the right one. It is a principle of life. It is to love one another, to serve one another, and to look at each other as, as wanting to serve that person more than yourself. That it's not about me, it's about others. And see, right away, a lot of our, our mindset will come in and say, yeah, but what if it's unfair? God didn't say it's going to be fair. God said at times it will be unfair. In your relationships at work, you have a boss that is not very nice. And it's unfair. But you have to understand, everything is based on your relationship with Christ. And Christ, we're going to find out, died for us. That's unfair. Took our sins. That's unfair. And so when we do that, then we work. And the reality, we are led of the Holy Spirit, not by our emotions or our hurt. Or, we're going to talk about this, our offense. Nowhere in Scripture does it give the right to enforce these uh, statements on one another found in Ephesians. Nowhere. Men, you cannot enforce your leadership upon your wife. I'm the man. Listen to me. How many of you men found out that doesn't work? <laughs> right? Amen. And it shouldn't work. Ladies, you cannot enforce his leadership upon him for your home. In other words, if you don't lead like I want you to lead, then I'm going to check out. Amen. Everyone say, I love my pastor. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, next time you say it, mean it, all right? Okay. Now, both statements are given as responsibilities of the person to accept it in their heart. Allowing it to be revelation and then 
transformation takes place and changes them forever. Now, Jesus is always our example. I love that last song we sang. He came to the earth to a people that were cursing him. Even on the cross, a few showed up. Jesus said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus died for many that haven't accepted him as Lord. He didn't die because everyone said, yeah, go do it, Jesus, we're with you. He died it when people were cursing him, spitting on his face, pulling out his hair, and whipping him. The acceptance and salvation came later, but the dying came first. So husbands, your wife will change when you die to yourself. Your husband will change, wives, after your death to your flesh. When you die. Jesus died because he understood that only by his death would people be able to come to the Father. Only by your death can a miracle happen in your spouse, in your marriage, and in your relationships. Now, of course, we're talking a different. Jesus died a physical death, but he also died to himself. He died to not my will, but your will be done, Father. And we have to, in any relationship, die to self. If we want those relationships to grow and to be where they need to be, we need to die to self. As long as you decide to keep on living for your own desires, your own individuality, your own dreams and plans, and say when they change, then we will be one, you are blocking the miracle in your marriage you are blocking the place of blessing. God has set us in places that many times we've rejected. God has put us in places and we have rejected them. <clears throat> now, if you're not dead to the flesh, not physical, God cannot do his part and you won't reach the blessing. How many times do we go from job to job, from friend to friend, from spouse to spouse, and we're wondering why God's not blessing us? It's because it's a principle of relationship. If you are shouting, I demand my rights, do we hear that in the world today? And we accept no responsibility. Then that's not the blessing place. That is not the covenant blessing that God brings in relationships. What we're saying when we do that, when we say, I demand my rights and I accept very little or no responsibility of this, then you're saying to the Lord, I don't trust you and I don't trust you to do your part. Still with me? I know some of you are looking straight ahead because you're sitting next to your spouse. Jesus said, you must let a seed go into the ground and die so it can produce its fruit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13, 
I read this in our two prayers this morning, the first with the men and then with the church family. By the way, you can call into that every Sunday morning, and there's information in the foyer about that. It says here, these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. What it's saying here is, your flesh does not want to hear what I am saying. You're thinking, well, it won't work in my house because I have special circumstances. I know that's what Scripture says. I know that's what God says. I know that's a principle of the Word of God, but it won't work in my home. And I'm saying to you, that's a deception. All of us are unique, but our problems are the same in relationships. All of us are unique. I'm going to say it again, but our problems are the same. Is we don't rescind our desires. Now, your flesh is like my flesh. It wants to control. It wants power. And it wants authority. You look at the world today, the people that are not submitted to the Holy Spirit in power, in politics, you name it. They want control. They want power. And they want authority. And don't take any responsibility for any decision they make. Jesus said, you have to die to get the miracle blessing. Talking about your flesh. I heard this said, and I'll repeat it. Apathy is our greatest enemy because selfishness is our greatest sin. Apathy is our greatest enemy. Well, it won't work because selfishness is our greatest sin. And I'm just going to be straight out and I'll look even in the camera. <laughs> Selfish people cannot be happy. Nothing you get out of being selfish will make you happy. You will always want more. But if you grab a hold of the principle of love, the principle of relationship, and you grab a hold of it, what will begin to transform is great joy. I didn't say everything's going to be perfect. Great happiness will happen. I didn't say that everything going on in life is happiness, but it will happen inside you. Because what will take place is that your spirit will begin to hear the things of God, and you'll begin to hear the things that he says about you. You'll begin to hear about, I love you. I'm proud of you. What you are doing right there, I'm proud you're doing. I know how they're acting, but I'm proud of you, and I'm on your side, and I will be there, and I will prosper you because you're doing the right thing. That's what's going to happen. There will be great joy in your heart because your flesh is not in control. 
And serving does not need a response. Have you ever heard or had someone get offended by you because they did something for you, quote, and you didn't say thank you? Now, the right thing, of course, is say thank you. But they get offended because why did they do what they did? They did it because they wanted to look good and you to come back to them and say, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. They don't understand serving. Serving is, I'm going to do this because I serve people. I love people. Last week I ended, uh, almost at the end of my message last week, I just stood here and said, Church family, I love you. And I'm telling you, and it sounds like this strong voice, I love you. But the reality, there is a passionate love that I have for Valley Community Church and for you as individuals. I want you to succeed. I want you to prosper. I want you to just overwhelmingly be healed, be restored, and walk in the blessing of God and be in those places that God's called you to be in whether things are good or bad, and be joyous in your heart. That's the principles of God's Word. Selfish people cannot be happy. Serving does not need a response from the one you served. So all I'm going to do is, if you're sitting, no, don't do this today, maybe sometime later, ask your spouse, am I serving you? Ask yourself, are you serving others? Notice in the middle of Ephesians, verse 21. See, when Terry and I traveled and we did a lot of marriage conferences, and we got to this part of about eight sets of teachings, uh, it always got real quiet. So some of you that are really agreeing with me right now, just say, Amen, Pastor. You go for it. Okay, there we go. All right. To all those online, there were two people. (laughs) Ephesians 5.21 says, Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Did you know submission means uh, to come in order? In other words, to bring things in order. And it's a mission. It's a place. To come under a mission is true submission, submission, to come under a mission. And the the problem is, is that we get offended in relationships, our friendships, our marriages, our coworkers, whatever it is, and what happens is we got different missions. We want people to do different things, and there's no agreement because marriage was not created for happiness. I'm glad I didn't hear any amens there. Marriage is not created for happiness. Marriage was created for agreement. And if you're in agreement, then happiness comes. So to come under a mission is true submission. My question to you is, what is the mission of your home? Are you serving your spouse? Are you serving others? Let's go to the third one. This is the third way to divorce-proof your home. Speak words 
that bring life and health to your marriage. Speak words that bring life and health to your relationships. Proverbs 10.19 says, In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. In other words, wise people learn to measure their words. Proverbs 12.18 says, There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. Now, many are spinning out of control. They're trying to grab their rights. And there's an old statement that is stated, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names, words can never hurt me. Now that saying is true because sticks and stones can break your bones, but it's not truth. Reckless words damage people. They pierce like a sword. They cut, they slice, and they wound people. Throughout the years, 46 years of ministry, I have watched people slice and dice people with their words. Whether it's in the church or outside the church. Whether I'm at a club working out or at a grocery store, whatever it is, I've seen that. I've seen in restaurants where uh, people have thrown water or their their soda at someone across the table because they're arguing and what they're saying is vicious and it's rude and it's crude. But the tongue of the wise brings healing and health. Now, my wife and I, we always have to make a caveat. We're not perfect. All right? Sometimes in, in life, people think that, you know, the pastor has it easy because there's some anointing that we have to have the perfect marriages and all that stuff. We don't have that. Matter of fact, the enemy comes at us twice as much to destroy our relationships. Because if it can destroy our relationships, then it destroys my anointing and call to minister to you. My wife speaks life to me. She honors me. She's honest with me. And sometimes she's so honest (laughs) that she looks at me and I look at her. She can tell me I make mistakes. Do I like that? No. She speaks words to me that I need to hear. But my life, let me just tell you, because at the beginning when we first got married, I struggled with that because I grew up in a German culture. And in my family, not all Germans are this way, but in my family, and the culture I grew, on, grew up in is you just said what you felt, and you took it. I think that's why a lot of Germans have beer in their hand all the time. But anyways, <laughs> but my whole life, my words have been a problem until I really got born again and found out my words are vital. And I began to change that. And sometimes 
When I used to say words, I don't say any words because my flesh wants to rise up and say what I thought. You, pastor, I thought you were holier than now. There's a lot of holes in my holy, okay? And so we have to get to a place of realizing that this is in relationships. Let me show you this. I, I brought this up when we did a marriage conference. Um, at the University of Washington, they took 30 couples and watched this and recorded every conversation. Now, let me just say it again. 30 couples, I don't know where they found them, 30 couples, and they recorded every conversation between them for 10 years. My opinion, you have to be stupid to do that. (laughs) Sorry if you get offended with the word stupid. Especially 10 years. You know, I don't know what they paid them. They had to have constantly, here, here's 100. Here's 100, you know. There's not enough money in Los Angeles for me to do that. And I know you feel the same way. So here's the result. Many didn't even get the 10 years. They divorced. Of those who divorced, they found four stages that led to divorce, and all of them had to do with words. Here's the first one. There was a constant criticism of each other, always criticizing. Second, is becoming defensive, not allowing corrective discourse. Don't raise your hands. Don't even move your finger. But how many of you have a hard time with your spouse bringing correction? I saw some hands already. God bless you for being honest. Here's a third. Contempt or unresolved anger. Some of us are mad at what was said 15 years ago. And every argument you get into, you bring up the past. And you say words like, you always do this. Now just... If there's anything that I think we should change right now is saying to the person that we love, family, friends, coworkers, of saying you always do this. Just think about that statement. How can you always do that? (laughs) Okay, I'll go on. Here's the final one. And I'm going to call it stonewalling. Stonewalling is you emotionally have checked out of your marriage. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you want to go to counseling or friendship. You did this, and if I see you in the mall, I'll go the other way. You stonewall forgiveness and healing in your life. See, What happens with that then, usually, 
those people who stonewall fall into adulterous affairs. I'm not talking just sex. Adulterous affairs are not usually about sex. Adulterous affairs are about having your emotional needs met by someone else than your spouse. And we get to a place in our lives where we get so, and I'm going to use a, a southern word, flustered. We get, we get so flustered with, with life and stuff and everything that goes on and this happens, this happens. Is, is why, why does this happen to me and no one else? So let me just tell you about that statement. Why does this happen to me and no one else? With all the billions of people in this world, do you think someone else might have faced the same thing you faced? By the way, it's the same devil that wants to destroy your relationships, that wants you to get to a place where you're so, and I'll say it, stinking offended at someone. There's no way on God's green earth that you will uh, bring healing in the situation. So let me say this, if you want healthy relationships, if you want change, grow in your relationship with the Lord, grow in who you are in Christ, and change yourself, and begin to serve. Well, you know, we didn't talk for a year, but I did this for them, and you know what they did? They didn't say thank you, so the heck with them. Well, no, 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 no. That's not serving. That's serving with something in the background wanting that person to come head over heels, fall down, and to apologize to you. God says serve even if they don't apologize. Amen. Here's the fourth one. This will absolutely work. Realize that only Jesus can meet your deepest needs. John 6.35. This is the most important thing you need to know. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. How about relationships? You never do this. You know, through all the years of relationships, you know what I wanted to do? Is to keep record of all my relationships. On January 3rd, 1957, I did this. So when they say, you never did this, <laughs> right? I mean, really, you know, and, and it's like that just exhaustion of, I don't want anything to do with this. And I want to tell you, you're nixing, you're kicking out God's blessing because he placed us in relationships. He gave us relationships, an ability to love, an ability to serve. Maybe your parents divorced. Maybe your grandparents divorced. Maybe your father had an affair. Maybe one of your brothers had an affair or your, one of your sisters had an affair. 
and destroy their family. And maybe you might even have a child of their family in your home trying to bring recovery to them. But I want to tell you, he says, I am the bread of life, and only he can say, he who come to me shall never hunger. He can say, never. You will never hunger if you come to me. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. Amen. This is spiritual, understanding spiritual things. Jesus is saying, I am your source. Okay, we have counselors uh, in our church, and they do an amazing work with people. But here's four things every human wants, and it's scriptural. Every human wants acceptance. Scripture uses the word adopted. We are adopted in the kingdom. We're accepted in the kingdom of God. Every human wants acceptance. Every human wants identity. Crazy in our world today, huh? That's why we have a youth group called Identity. You need to know that God says you are unique and very special. Your fingerprints, no one else has. God created you so unique that he loves you. Here's the third. Every human being wants security. I loved it this morning when one of our security guys walked in and took care of a situation. What would I do? I just went, security. To know you're protected. Here's a fourth. Every human being in this room wants a purpose. You want to know the very reason why you are breathing today. And God has given that. You know, matter of fact, that's so important to God that in Ephesians chapter 1, he says that it's been given to you by the, in the foundation of this world. That God planned that by the foundation of this world. At that time frame, he knew who you were, your identity. He knew literally your purpose. Your calling, your gifts, everything was set apart for you at that time. And all of that time passed. History passed. All of the billions of years, God had you in mind. Wow. I could go for another hour on that and give you scripture after scripture after scripture of the heart of God. Basically, to know God has a plan for you will bring you all of these four. You will understand it in such a unique way. Why it's unique? Because you're unique. Always know that no human being can fulfill those needs, but Jesus can. Your spouse can't, your friends can't, your boss can't, your mom and dad can't, your children can't. So today, if you are sitting next to, to a person for many years, 
you are asking them to fulfill your basic needs and you're looking at the wrong person. I love Terry with all my heart. She loves me. But Terry is not the source of my love. How I love, how I live my life, my peace, my joy. Terry brings a lot of joy to me, but she is not the source of my joy. Love, joy, and peace come from Jesus because he is your and my source. John 6, 35 says, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. So in conclusion, you have grabbed the hold of this. I would pray that you would go online and listen to this over and over. It will not just the revelation, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because every one of you, watch this, have 100% probability for healing. Every one of you have 100% probability of restoration. Not because you get your way or they get their way or you acquiesce. It's because you have submitted to the mission and the mission came from God. You see, you in a husband and wife relationship, you have the woman and the man. And in between, you have God. That's agreement. But if you take from the, the woman and the man and you draw a line to that point where God is, in between the woman and the man and that line, there's a lot of stuff that needs to change. And the only person that can change that is you. Your spouse cannot change you. Your mom and dad cannot change you. They can put you into um, a timeout and set a standard, but you still have to make the choice. But all of the standard, the principle, comes from God. And when you listen, abide by it, walk in it, now I'm going to tell you, you're going to make mistakes still. You're going to blow it still. But you need to be big enough to rise up and to apologize. And even if it's been a decade, apologize. Now let me just, here's another caveat because of life. If someone had an affair and left you and ran away and did all kinds, you don't need to chase them down. Forgive me for what I've done that caused you to do. No, I'm not talking, I'm not bringing blame to any human being. I am bringing blame to the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of hell. And what the enemy has tried to do to deceive us to the point where we will not in this covenant relationship with God, this covenant relationship 
with our spouses, this covenant relationship in our homes, this covenant relationship that we have in church, this covenant relationship we have our friends, our coworkers, as they move into those covenant relationships. Because why? You are a covenant believer. Doesn't matter where they come from, you are the covenant believer. And it is a covenant relationship because of you. And when you live that way, you're going to see breakthroughs. You're going to see life changing. You're going to see revelation in your heart of your next steps of living covenant relationship. Let's all stand. I'm going to pray for you. But I know you're picking up your purses and, and wallets and keys and different, different things. Let me make this statement. Serve one another with the depth of Jesus Christ being your source. That is the place where God has set you. And when you live that lifestyle, you will see amazing, transforming things that will take place. And watch this, it will begin to unfurl into your children and your children's children. It will begin to open up their eyes and their hearts to what it really means to be in covenant relationship, to take up the responsibility of life and to dispel the selfish desires of me, me, me. In Jesus' name, Those watching online, those in this house, I proclaim a huge blessing, huge blessing over every man and woman, boy and girl on this campus. I proclaim over the homes that the Spirit of God would just overwhelm with great truth and revelation. Transformation will take place. Marriages will change. Why? Because we become covenant believers. Because we become covenant servers. Because we become covenant brothers and sisters in the Lord, serving our great God and serving one another bringing honor in every place, every room we enter, honor exudes because that manifests through us. And we give you praise for that in Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord an applause, amen. He has placed you in that place. Go and be victorious. God bless you. We'll see you tonight.